Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show that is all about helping you up your game and improve your performance in the world of talent development. That is what we're all about. We have all kinds of different conversations about different topics around the talent development world. And one topic that has been popular over the years is measuring impact. And how do you get better at that so that you become more of a strategic partner to the business? And one of the foremost experts on this topic that I know of is my friend Kevin M. Yates, who is known globally in the talent development world as the L&D detective. And I'm having Kevin back on the podcast for the third time. Kevin solves measurement mysteries with facts, clues, evidence, and data. With over 25 years of industry experience serving in diverse roles across multiple industries, Kevin has committed his time and talent to answering the question, how does training and learning measurably impact human performance and business goals? And if that's a question that you are often trying to answer, then you definitely want to take a listen to this interview as well as maybe the past conversations we've had. As I mentioned, this is the third time Kevin has been on this podcast, I believe. The first was episode 195 titled Measuring the Impact of Learning, which came out back in November of 2020. And the second was episode 209, Investigating the Impact of Learning and Development, which came out in February of 2021. Kevin was also a speaker at our first Talent Development Think Tank conference, which happened back in January of 2020, where he led people through a really engaging session on measuring impact. And I'm excited to announce that Kevin is coming back as a speaker at the Talent Development Think Tank conference in February 2023. That's right. The Talent Development Think Tank Conference is coming back on February 22nd, 23rd in Sonoma, California. And I believe, as far as I can remember or think right now, as of the you know dozens, many speakers and facilitators we had at the last conference and those we have lined up for this one, Kevin's the only one I've invited back who's returning as a speaker again because he is that good and also a great friend who provides a lot of value to the talent development community. He's going to be debuting a brand new game that he has created on demystifying measurement in L&D. And, you know, when you hear the word game, you know right away it's going to be interactive. It's going to be engaging. It's not some boring PowerPoint presentation. Uh, So if you're interested in talent development, learning and development, and especially in getting better at measurement in L&D, you want to come to the conference to see this thing in action. The website to get all the info and tickets is tdtt.us slash conference. As you probably know, we'll put links in the show notes. Kevin's website is kevinmyates.com. You can get his free ebook and all the information on the stuff that he does on his website, as well as hopefully there's a link there to his nonprofit, which we talk about in this conversation. So in this conversation, we talk about his background and how he became the L&D detective. A little side note about the power of building personal brand in the corporate space. We talk about what has been changing in measuring impact and how Kevin's philosophy on measuring impact has changed over the last couple of years, some keys to getting better at measuring impact in L&D. We talk about Kevin's uh, nonprofit meals in the meantime. We talk a little about some travel that he did this year. And of course, we get a little preview of what Kevin is going to be debuting for us at the Talent Development Think Tank Conference in February. One other note for you as you go into this conversation is that I have been podcasting now for five years And I'm far from perfect. I still make mistakes from time to time. And I made a big one with this podcast. And I'm embarrassed about it, but I'm going to put this out there. And that is when I recorded this interview with Kevin, my audio was not set up the right way. And the audio input that you hear from me is pulling, I think, from a laptop microphone instead of my normal 
professional microphone. And so when you listen to this, you may notice if you're a regular listener that my audio does not sound very good. Kevin sounds pretty good. Mine does not sound very good. But I believe the conversation is still great. I believe the information and the value that you get, especially from Kevin, is still great. So I hope that you'll still listen and take some notes and get value from this conversation. But I want to apologize ahead of time because my audio is just not so good. But you know what? We make mistakes. We learn from those mistakes and we move on and we get better. Thank you again for listening. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Kevin M. Yates about solving L&D measurement mysteries. All right. I'm joined now by my friend, Kevin M. Yates, who is known as the L&D detective. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Hey, Andy. Good to be back, man. Good to be back. I was looking back on some of our past episodes, and you and I have had many, many great conversations over the years, but I think this is your fourth time on the podcast, and with good reason, and and we've had very few people come back even for a second, but with good reason, because not only do you always have great insights and information to share, not only is measurement, which has been sort of part of your brand, a really popular topic in the L&D space. But you're also just a a really fun dude, a great guy to talk to, and uh, (laughs) one of my best friends in the world, especially in the corporate space. So I'm excited to have you back over. Well, the the feeling is is mutual, Andy, but should I say it is uh, bro-mutual? It's bro-mutual. Yeah, we are. It's bro-mutual. We are are bros. And uh, yeah, inside, the insider info is, uh, first of all, Kevin and I, we connected on LinkedIn a few years ago. I remember when you you first reached out and we got on a call and we hit it off and then I had yep. you on the podcast. And then we had lunch together when I was in Chicago, which we've done a couple of times now. You spoke at the first Talent Development Think Tank conference back in January 2020. You gave a, a great session on measuring impact. I'm excited to have you coming back to the next Talent Development Think Tank conference in February 2023 as a speaker and session leader, and you're going to be debuting a new game on demystifying yes. measurement in L&D. I'm excited to get into that. I want to talk a little bit about measurement. I want to get a little preview of the, what you're going to be talking about, the game that you're, you're going to be debuting at the Think Tank conference. I also want to talk about your nonprofit meals in the meantime and the, the great work that you're doing there. So I'm excited to get into that stuff. Let me just start with this idea of measuring impact and you know going back to as you got into this space there's a lot of people out there in L&D this is a question that comes up again and again you branded yourself well back as the L&D detective can you tell me more about that and why that brand and how that's resonated with people in L&D yeah th- thanks Andy um and and I really am excited to to talk to you today um as you said it, it's been a little bit so so yeah so let's jump right in how did I get the name L&D Detective? You know, I wish that I had some story where I could, you know, share how there was like, like this deliberate intention and this strategic, you know, idea around giving myself that brand name and all that. But the reality, Andy, is that it happened very, very naturally, right? And it happened as a result of conversations that I was having with other colleagues and peers in the industry, one in particular, who said to me, you know, you're kind of like a detective, you know, kind of like Sherlock Holmes. You know, the only difference is that Sherlock Holmes was solving murder mysteries and, and you're solving measurement mysteries. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's that's right. That's that's good. That's good. I like that. So I ran with it. Right. And it is true. You know, Sherlock Holmes was collecting clues and, and facts and evidence to solve the mysteries on which he was working. And I do the same thing, Andy. You know, I'm looking for clues. I'm looking for facts. I'm looking for evidence. And I'm using data to solve a mystery. And measuring the influence of training and learning continues to be a mystery, quite quite candidly. It's something that our industry continues to to wrestle with, to struggle with. And so it is a mystery. So I'm loving the analogy to me being an L&D detective, right? Because again, I am using facts, evidence, and, 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 and data and clues. I'm trying to solve a mystery. So the, the name L&D Detective works very well for me because there are similarities between me and, and Sherlock Holmes. And again, the only difference is that Sherlock Holmes solves murder mysteries. <laughs> I solve measurement mysteries. <laughs> That's right, which is probably more important to people in the L&D space. Not that murder mysteries are not important to be solved, but you know, for what we're focused on, 
<laughs> I want to take a, a little departure from that side note because you said someone mentioned this to you and came up with this idea and that, hey, you're like an L&D detective and you said you ran with it. Now, a lot of people hear, receive and hear compliments from colleagues or clients or people they work with and think, oh yeah, that's true, haha, and kind of laugh it off and move on. You really did run with it in building a brand around it, getting some graphics made, putting it on your LinkedIn profile. And I remember you... Uh, you and I both are very, we sort of pay attention to this idea of building and leveraging a personal brand. I think it's really important, both in entrepreneurship and your career. You know, I have a chapter about it in my book. And I remember you wrote an article a while back on LinkedIn, this is a few years ago, about the importance of leveraging a personal brand in corporate. And I know you have have really, you've done that very well. You know, you've led by example there. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the importance of that and why you've made it so important for you. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, Andy. And you know, I do believe that we all have a personal brand, right? It is what describes us in terms of who we are, what we do, how we operate. Our personal brands might even include a little bit of our personal character, right? Our personal characteristics. So whether or not you intend to have one or not, you do have one. And so then there is work that we can do to elevate our brand, to strengthen our brand, our personal brand it is to ensure that our brand messaging represents us uh, and our brand image represents us the way that we want to be represented, the way that we want to tell our story to the world, the way that we want to ensure, you know, again, that we are represented as it relates to if we're talking about a personal professional brand, we want it to relate to the work that we do. And then there's just our personal brand for who we are. And as we move and, and, and groove <laughs> through the world, right? So for me, Andy, I discovered, and, and I had to figure this out just to be transparent, at the front end of being intentional and deliberate about creating and, and building and strengthening my personal brand, I had to figure out who I wanted to be when I grew up, so to speak, right? And while doing that, Andy, I also wanted to be authentic. So I didn't want to create like this caricature mm. and then have to try to live up to the expectations or the persona of that caricature. I wanted to be able to consistently and authentically be me even as the L&D detective. So when thinking about building and creating a personal brand, one of the things that I committed to was being authentic because living and working and being dual, right? So it's kind of like living in duality is too much work, right? So I choose authenticity because duality is too much work. So mm -hmm. in my personal brand, with my personal brand, I am in essence just being who I am. I just elevate it, right? I elevate it through messages and stories that I share through social media. Um, I elevate that personal brand when I have opportunities to speak at conferences. I elevate that brand during times like now where I have an opportunity to talk to awesome people like you on podcasts. So for me, I think like there's a takeaway when it comes to um, building a personal brand. And I think that there is a recipe for success. And it starts with building a brand around who you are not necessarily who you want to be. You know, there is a little bit of aspiration and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But the essence of what I'm saying, Andy, is that I believe it's important to just position yourself as you are when you are building and maintaining your, your personal brand. Just, just be you because being you is okay. You are fine as you are and who you are, right? You know, we all have opportunities to learn, grow, develop, be better. And that's all a part of it. So what I'm saying here, Andy, is that start your personal brand with who you are. Right. And then build on that and, and it'll work for you because it's worked for me. And so hopefully I am a good example of what that looks like. That was you, a long answer to your question, man, but I hope it made sense. Yeah, you absolutely are. It does. And I agree with you completely. You know, brand is your reputation is what people think of, about you and, and say about you. And I'm a big advocate of as authenticity as well. You don't ever want people to try to be someone they're not. So I think it's important to recognize we know what is your brand today? What is your reputation today? And you can do that by sort of seeking feedback and, and being more mindful about how you're showing up. And also you can be aspirational and ask, you know, what do I want my brand to stand for? Uh, and or if you're aspiring to get to a certain position in your career or life, what does my brand need to be to get that? Do I need to make adjustments to that? And then being mindful in how you're showing up all the time while also still being true to yourself, Kevin. I, you mentioned authenticity. I feel like you have always been that, uh, you know, as you're sharing tips and advice to people on measurement, you're sharing the wins, 
you've also shared some of the struggles that you've been through over the last few years, not only with me, but on social media. Yes. You went through quite a journey. I, I don't know, a couple of years back, you and I had a lot of conversations on the phone and you you shared some of the the struggles that you've been through with your career and family and how that led to some of the work that you're doing today. Yeah, you know, man, and I think that that is also a part of personal branding. And I believe that why the work that I've done and why it has been so well received, because I share, hopefully not too much, Yeah, <laughs> but I, right. I'm, I'm authentic, man. I'm just being me. And, and I think that by sharing some of the challenges I've had, some of the difficulties I've had, some of the pain, some of the struggles, but also balancing that with the joy that mm. I have living my life, right? Like the happiness, the awesome friends with people like you and the awesome stuff that I'm doing in my work and my career with my nonprofit, right? So it's all of that. It's not just the good, happy stuff. It's the real world life stuff. And I, yeah. I like to just, you know, put all of that out there because it humanizes me. It makes yes. me real. That's it makes me approachable. And I think that people appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I think people do. It does humanize you. And I, I try to do that as well because in some ways almost just to combat what we see a lot of places on social media, which is that, oh, everything is great. Life is perfect. Yeah. We know that's not the case, right? Everybody's got no. their challenges. Everybody's got their struggles. And we forget that sometimes. So I appreciate you, your reminding of that. I want to get back to this topic of measuring impact. And I think you've shifted your nomenclature and the way you refer to it a little bit since the last time we we talked or had you on a couple of years ago. Can you tell me a little bit about that that shift in demystifying measurement? Yeah. Thank you for that, Andy. It is a shift, man. My thoughts and my thinking around measuring results for training and learning are are shifting are evolving. I'm not at the same place today where I was last year or five years ago, maybe not even six months ago, mm. because there's there's a need, Andy, for us to tell more truth about the efforts for measuring results for training and learning, right? I've even shifted or I'm trying to shift or I'm thinking about shifting. I don't know where I am with this, but it's the word impact, Andy, mm. that has just become so cliche that I wonder if we're losing the intention and the purpose for what we're really trying to do. And, and so I'm actually, on some levels, changing my language. I'm kind of moving away from using the word impact, and I'm moving with measuring the influence of training and learning. Now, I know it, some people might say it's semantics. I get that. But there is some purpose with my language. And I believe that words matter. I believe that language matters. And so where I'm focused, Andy, is measuring the extent to which training and learning measurably influences human behavior and ultimately how that influence helps people do the work that they need to do in the organizations where they are and how their work is influencing goals of the business, right? So somebody might say, hey, Kevin, what you're really saying is that you're measuring impact. Okay, maybe if you want to say that, that's fine. <laughs> but for me, I'm focused on measuring the extent to which training and learning and talent development influences human behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Because the extent to which training and learning influences human behavior and human performance ultimately determines the extent to which the work that people do, the efforts that people are making influences an ultimate business goal or an ultimate organization goal. So that's part of the shift, Andy. Another part of the shift, again, is just telling more, the, more of the truth. And the truth is that measuring the extent to which training and learning influences human performance is difficult work. And mm. I've not always said that out loud. I've always talked about how you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's what you do to do it, right? But I've not balanced that with an appropriate fair message that says measuring the impact or measuring the influence of training and learning is absolutely possible, but it is difficult. So for me, that means that something being difficult does not mean it's not possible. It just means that it's difficult. And such is measuring the influence of training and learning. Man, it's hard work. There are days where I scratch my head. There are days where I cannot figure it out. There are days where I, I feel like I don't have an answer. But those are the same days where I just have to roll up my sleeves, use a little bit of el elbow grease, and, and just get it done and figure it out. Perhaps the difference between me and, and others is that I'm just not ready to wave the white flag because I do believe that measuring results for training and learning and talent development is absolutely possible, particularly if you 
are proactive and put in place what makes it possible. And I think that quite often that's the missing piece. The missing piece is that measuring results for training and learning is often an afterthought versus mm-hmm. a forethought. And forethought requires deliberate, intentional planning so that you can do it. Man, that was a long answer to your question, but yeah. I hope it made sense. <laughs> well, it's been shifting. I think the best thought leaders, if you will, if you allow me to call you that, are shifting their thinking over time. They're learning over time. They're not just sticking with, well, I said it, this was true 10, 15 years ago, so I'm sticking with that. Like, no, we're always learning new things and you know, changing how we think about things. I'm glad to see you evolving on that. Let's give some advice, some value to people out there listening who work in learning and development, talent development. If they're thinking about, okay, I, I you know, you guys are talking about measuring impact and demystifying this, and and I know I need to get better at this. What are one or two things people could be doing, you know, starting in, you know, maybe they're going to start today, but January in, in 2023 to get better at measuring and therefore, you know, hopefully becoming a better, more of a strategic partner to business. That's a great question. So your question, Andy, is to our listeners who might be asking, hey, Andy, hey, Kevin, what can I do to get started with this and how can I be successful? Yeah. So one of the ways in which I believe there is opportunity for success is being intentional and purposeful about how you plan for measuring the influence of training and learning. And so I believe, Andy, that I've come up with an actionable, achievable, practical methodology for proactively planning for measurement. And those actions and those steps in that methodology are outlined in the L&D Detective Kit, which I have made free, absolutely free, free mm-hmm. dollars, zero cents. Free uh, dollars and zero cents. Free dollars and zero cents, that's right. Uh, and it's available on my website at uh, kevinmyates.com. So in the L&D Detective Kit, one of the first things that I illustrate and talk about and provide very specific guidance and directions for is how to proactively plan for measuring the influence of training and learning, how to proactively plan for results. And that is what I believe the number one opportunity for our community, because what happens more often than not is we get a request for training, right, from our business partners, our stakeholders. And it's almost like we are working at a fulfillment center because someone kind of tosses over the fence their order for training and learning, right? You know, they'll say something like, you know, I want one instructor-led, two e-learnings, and a side order of business simulation to go, right? (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And we've not had any conversation to discover what are the performance requirements, right, that help people be successful in their roles? What are the business goals? What are some of the blockers that stand in the way of people performing in a way that helps them achieve organization goals? What does performance look like today versus where it needs to be tomorrow in order to achieve organization goals? What are some of the other variables that have potential to influence human performance or even influence employees in a way that they can achieve those goals? So if you notice, Andy, in in those things that I just talked about, none of it was about training, right? Training is not where the conversation starts. Mm -hmm. Discovery is where the conversation starts. And it's discovery about performance, right? And so the shift um, that I talked about for me has also been around a performance first mindset. I wasn't always there, just to be honest with you, but I am there now. I I have been slowly moving and evolving to a performance first mindset over the past 10 or so years. And now I'm there. I totally get it, right? It's performance first, man. All the time, every day, all day long, performance first. Ultimately, that leads decisions that need to be made about instructional design. And if it's performance first, then hopefully you are designing in a way that you will create training and learning solutions and experiences that influence people's performance. So your question to me was, where should our colleagues be focused right now who are interested in measurement, who want to go on this measurement journey? I think the first area where you can focus again is, is with some support that helps you figure out what it looks like when you want to measure impact or measure influence. And you can find that in the L&D Detective Kit on my website at kevinmbh.com. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is just being deliberate and intentional with a performance first mindset, where your first conversations in response to training quests are focused on performance outcomes, performance needs, versus fulfilling the the trainer request or the the training order. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And and so if I could summarize, it would be 
to begin with the end in mind, right? Start to think about what it is that you are yeah. trying to achieve and what is it you're going to need to measure before just jumping in or responding to people and, and maybe taking more of a consultative approach to the work you're doing. Yes, exactly it, man. I, I, I believe that we are performance consultants first and then L&D experts after that because the essence of what our training and learning solutions do is support and propel performance, right? So they, they work together. They definitely play together. I recommend that we lead with performance because that way our conversations guide us toward identifying specific needs and how we're going to measure the extent to which those needs were met and the extent to which our training and learning solutions are effective at doing what they are intended to do. I like it. Okay. I'm going to take a couple of tangents for a moment and then we'll come back to- Let's do it the demystifying measurement game that you're going to be debuting at the Think Tank conference. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question, Kevin, but you recently took an extended trip abroad, both working and traveling and having fun. So you spent some time actually working in an office uh, over uh, in Europe, as well as doing some traveling and sightseeing. And I don't know how yep. much you've done of that in the past, but I'm curious, what are a couple takeaways from your experience over there? Wow. Awesome question, Andy. So yes, I, I did have an opportunity to spend about a month and a half in Europe. It was a combination of uh, work for my personal brand, the L&D Detective, work for my air quote day job, <laughs> and also just some PTO, just some vacation, just some fun time. And there are takeaways for each one of those areas, right? So, you know, I spent time in what? The UK, in Ireland, Switzerland, France, and Italy. Right. And so I was in the UK speaking at Learning Live with the Learning Performance Institute. And my takeaway from that time where I had an opportunity to meet with training, learning and talent development professionals from all over the world, but primarily in Europe, because that conference was was in London. And as I continue to have conversations with training, learning and talent development professionals globally, what I realize, Andy, is that while we may be separated by land, content, and water, and all that, continent rather, not content, <laughs> is that we're struggling with the same things, right? But we're also having success with the same things. So as much as we may think that we're different because we work in different organizations or because we live in different countries or because we speak different languages or because we work in different industries, if I did say that already, hoping I've been repetitive. But my point here, Andy, is that my takeaway from my time in speaking at Learning Live 2022 with training, learning, and talent development professionals from around the world is that we have more in common than we do differences. And that's exciting and comfortable. Not comfortable, comforting, right? Because again, quite often we think that we have all these differences, but we really don't. And we can work together to figure out what they are. So that's my takeaway from that time with my my personal brand, speaking as the L&D detective. And mm. then I worked in Dublin for three weeks. And that time in Dublin just reinforced some of the need that there is for me to evolve my thinking about my work, about the work that I do, which is measuring the influence of training and learning. So those three weeks, working in another office, working in another country, just reinforced the idea that it's okay for me to continue to evolve and grow and for my thinking to shift. That's totally fine and there's nothing wrong with that. And then the remaining time, the, the PTO, the vacation that was in uh, Switzerland and, and France and Italy just reinforced the idea that it's good for us to have time away from work because it energizes us. It gives us time to create fresh new ideas. And the other awesome and cool and wonderful thing about that time away, Andy, was that I had an opportunity to meet people from different countries all over the world. Mm. And just as human beings, similar to what I said about us as training and learning professionals, what I discovered in going to different countries and eating different food and meeting different people and going different places is that as human beings, we have a lot more in common than we do in difference. Same thing that I said about us as L&D professionals, because, you know, Again, we just, as humans, man, we just, we have a need to be seen. We have a need to be respected, um, a need to be heard. Um, and, and all of that was reinforced uh, my time away in Europe. So long, long answer to your question, Andy, but those 
those are my three takeaways from, from my time away in Europe. Okay. Well, I love those. One more question about the travel. You and I have much in common and differences as well, like we all do. I consider myself a very strong extrovert. I don't know where you consider yourself on that spectrum. <laughs> I love to travel and I do travel on my own when I travel for business. However, the idea of taking a vacation on my own, I won't say it scares me, but it was very. It would be very hard for me. You were traveling on your own. What was that experience like? And do you like traveling on your own or would you rather have a, a companion with you? Yeah. So you already know this, Andy. So you know I'm an only child, mm. right? And this surprises a lot of people. I think it even surprised you the first time I told you about it. But, you know, as an only child, I am inherently an introvert. Mm. And, and people are surprised when they hear me say that because, you know, again, as I'm speaking throughout the world and have been on world stages and all that, people see the gregarious, engaging, entertaining, kind of right. funny guy on stage, right? That's who they see. Yeah. And that is who I am because I'll go back to this idea about wanting to be authentic. I mean, that is who I am. But then there's also a side of me that enjoys solitary time, right? Mm -hmm. That enjoys uh, time alone. So yeah, I did travel by myself and I'm okay with that, man. The other thing is that there are things that I like to do when I travel that some people might not like to do as much. So for example, I love going to cathedrals, man. So like whenever I'm in Europe, I try to find the oldest cathedral that there is. Yeah. And I like to explore and visit that. Um, I enjoy going to museums. Um, I enjoy learning about the history of the country where I am. So those are some things that some people just might not be interested in. You know, more some people may be more interested in the whole entertainment aspect. Yeah. I'm all about culture and learning and history. So it it's a little easier for me <laughs> when I travel alone because yeah. I don't have to debate with anybody else. Well, what are we going to do today? That's right. I already know what I'm going to do and, and yeah. I don't have to compromise and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. That's the to, only child of me coming out, man. Yeah. You get, to, you get to do what you want. I, can I like do that. What I, I want. Yeah. I, I like the idea of that. And I love the the culture and the history. And I go to the cathedrals and, and uh, sometimes I'll travel with my wife and kids. I think they get a little tired of the stuff I'm trying to drag them to. And certainly we have to make a lot of compromises. That's, that's what happens when you travel with others. And I, and I think, you know, to the point of the extrovert introvert, it, it doesn't like define the way you live your life and who you are, right? You can Correct. show up on stage and be gregarious and, and fun, and, and but then also still enjoy your alone time. I personally, as an extrovert, prefer to be around people, but I can be alone. <laughs> I have learned to be on <laughs> my own, to enjoy quiet time for reading and uh, reflection and things like that. But it has taken time for me to learn to be that way, right? To even, you know, when I travel, let's say for business and I'm on my own for dinner to go sit at a bar or a restaurant on my own, that was really hard for the first few years <laughs> that I did that for me. And I talked to introverted friends, they're like, what are you talking about? It's the greatest thing in the world to sit there by myself and, and have a meal with myself. So it's just funny how, you know, everybody's different, operates differently, but we can also learn to adapt and make the best Absolutely. situations, whatever that may be. Absolutely. And, and, you know, not to talk too much about my PTO and my vacation, Andy, but I'll share with you an example of what he just talked about, right? So yeah. on one of the tours that I took while I was in Florence, it was a wine tour, right? So we went to two or three vineyards, I think it is. And after visiting one vineyard and sitting at a table with other people, you know, obviously you strike a conversation uh, and you share experience and you meet people from other countries and mm -hmm. you talk about like, well, what are you doing in Florence and, and how have you enjoyed yourself so far and all that? So it ends up Andy, that on this yep. wine tour, I, I made some friends, ended up hanging out that whole day with people. Yeah. We ended up spending the whole day together, those of us who were seated at that table. And right. then we ended up having dinner together that night. So that's just an example of, you know, I don't want people to get that idea I'm a hermit because I'm not. No, 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 right. <laughs> and you, I and do you can enjoy meet, people. Yeah, you can meet yeah, other people. Yeah, yeah. But that's an example of how you can meet other people, even on a trip, and create relationships and have fun together. So, yeah. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, 
and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. This year I had a, a keynote in Berlin. Very fortunate to be able to fly over there for that. And then I booked like, I think two or three extra days to do some sightseeing. And I, I went out on this bike tour and I met these three other Americans who happened to be there traveling on their own PTO. And we hit it off, ended up doing another tour together the next day, had dinner together, you know, made friends. You make friends as you go, you which do. worked out really well. Another thing I wanted to ask you about related to a post you did recently, more related to day job, but you and I are recording this in the end of November, uh, 2022. I think this will be out in December and we're entering a very uncertain economic climate, right? There's been there's a lot of uncertainty about whether we're in a recession or not. There have been some some very big companies that have made news with layoffs. And you posted on LinkedIn recently about one of the aspects of that is, you know, some people get to deal with being laid off. They're figuring out what the next step is. For a lot of people that don't, they're dealing with things like survivor, survivor's guilt and the stress of what's going on in the economic climate in the world. I just wonder if you add any thoughts to that. You know, I think a lot of people are getting a little bit stressed and worried about their own careers, as well as if you work in HR or L&D, you also start to carry a little bit of the weight of worrying about the other people, you know, all the other people in your organization and wanting them to be happy and engaged, even in, you know, troubling times. Yeah, Andy, there's a lot there to kind of work through and figure out in terms of just where we are with some of the challenges in our economy, as you said, you know, we don't know if we're headed in a recession. Some reports say that we are. Some say that we're actually coming out of what looked like or appeared to be a recession. But the reality is that for this particular time, it's difficult, man, because people are losing jobs left and right, right? And, you know, Andy, you and I have talked about this. I was impacted, what was it, 2016, where I was working for an organization who went through a restructure and I lost my job. Mm. And I remember what that felt like, because for me, I was thinking, you know, I'm rolling right along in my career. Things are going great, getting really good feedback in terms of my performance, and my contribution, and my value. And there was a decision made by the organization to restructure the training, learning and talent development function. And as a result of that restructure, my role was eliminated. And what helped a little bit, a, a little bit. <laughs> was knowing that it wasn't personal, right? I was not yeah. let go for a performance issue. I was not let go because I was not doing my job. It was a business decision. And the way the, the business handled that was very smart, very sensitive, and very caring. And that helped as well. So kind of, you know, again, that was 2016 when I lost my job. So fast forward six years later to 2022, when we're seeing so many layoffs, particularly in the tech industry, yeah, man, you, you can definitely experience survivor's guilt, right? Because on the one hand, you're working in an organization, you might have been working side by side with somebody day to day, you might have even developed a friendship, you know, kind of beyond being co-workers, you're now friends. And for reasons and decisions made by the organization, that makes good business sense. Um, somebody leaves, somebody, somebody goes, somebody is let go. It not only is that hard for the person who has lost her or his job, on some levels, it is also difficult for those who are left behind, right? Don't want to diminish what it looks like when somebody is questioning, where will my income come from now, right? So I'm not even trying to compare what it's like for someone who has lost a job to someone who still has a job who is experiencing, you know, survivor's guilt. I don't want to diminish what sits on the other side of it. But the essence of what I'm saying, Andy, is that it can be very difficult when you see others being impacted by job cuts and job loss and you were spared that, you know, you might be asking yourself, you know, things like, am I next? <laughs> and you might be asking yourself things like, well, what did I do to deserve the retention of my job? Like, how did I manage to stay here? What was I doing that others weren't doing that allowed me to stay here or that, you know, preserved my job, that preserved my role? So it's all of that internal thinking that someone might go through that makes the situation difficult, you know, 
you're spared. You have a job. You know, your job is, is still intact. But yet you're feeling guilty because you have friends who are now trying to figure this whole thing out. You know, you have friends who have mortgages and kids in college and they don't have a job anymore. And you're feeling bad about that. You know, you're feeling empathy. You're feeling concern and care. And on the other side of that, you're thinking, man, I sure am glad that I still have a job. So, right. you know, you're trying to balance the gratefulness that you have for for your role not being impacted. You want to balance that with the idea that, but I'm still hurting because my mm-hmm. friends are no longer here, because my coworkers are no longer here. And and trying to navigate through those emotions and those feelings can be very difficult, very tricky. So it is a thing. It's a real thing. It's not a makeup thing. Survivor's guilt is a real thing. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I've experienced it. Yeah. yeah. And I was glad you brought that up the other day. And I forgot you had also been through layoffs as well. And I think you brought up a really important point there for people that do go through it is that it's not personal, right? These are business decisions that be made. It doesn't define your value as a human. And, you know, you got to move on and, and figure out the next best thing for you, whatever your yes. situation is. I think it's also important to keep context in mind. We're, everybody's going through challenges. Some people are worse than others. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably better off than a lot of people, planet. And using this as a transition to talk about your nonprofit, Kevin, because you, a little while back, probably more than a year now, right? You started a nonprofit called Meals in the Meantime to help feed people who are struggling in the south suburbs of Chicago. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, your nonprofit, why you decided to start it and, and what your mission is. My nonprofit, Andy, just gives me an indescribable amount of joy in living. <laughs> I know that sounds dramatic, but it's the truth, right? My background, man, is training, learning, and talent development. It is what I was prepared for academically. It is the work that I have been doing for the past, gosh, 25 plus years. So it is work that I know, I'm very familiar with, I'm very comfortable with. And then there's nonprofit work, which when I started Mills in the meantime, I knew absolutely nothing about. I knew zero about nonprofit work. The vision for Meals in the Meantime came to me on March 9th, I believe it is, of 2021, last year. So we've been in operation now for a little bit over a year and three quarters, just a few months short of two years. As I said, Andy, the work that we do to help people who need food is very fulfilling, very joyful, particularly knowing that we are helping people who otherwise have to figure out how they're going to get access to food. Food is one of the most basic needs that we have, one of the most fundamental needs that we have as human beings. And yet, yet, Andy, there are people at this very moment, somewhere, right now, somebody is hungry, trying to figure out where to get food. And so in my mind, you know, we're, we're a small but mighty team. We're doing our work in, in this little corner of the world to, to help people who need food. But we are helping people, right? And, and for me, I, I don't believe that it's about uh, quantity, meaning, you know, we aren't feeding thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're feeding hundreds of people, right? And that matters. It matters, Andy, that we are putting grocery bags of free, fresh, healthy, high quality food in the hands of people who need it. And our mission is filling the food gap with nourishment and dignity. And that means something. So when we talk about nourishment, what that means, Andy, is that in our grocery bags, our food is fresh, healthy, and high quality, right? So that's what we mean when we say nourishment. We provide foods and we are very intentional and specific with the food that we provide because we look for food that has nutrients and vitamins and nourishment that, that our bodies need for well-being. And, and then when we say uh, filling the food gap with nourishment and dignity, we're intentional with dignity because experiencing food insecurity is not a condemnation. It's a condition. And we're changing the condition with our pop-up food pantries. And so when we say dignity, we mean we say hello and good morning when people visit our food pantries. We make eye contact. Um, we let people know that we're here to help. We let people know that we're happy to see them. So that's how we kind of combine this idea of uh, nourishment and dignity. So it is such a departure from my air quote day job. Yeah, It gives me an opportunity to learn and grow because again, it's a space that I did not know a lot about when I first entered into it. And I'm continuing to learn and grow every day with the work that we're doing. 
So Mills, in the meantime, has definitely just created a very different kind of life experience for me because now I'm doing something that I never imagined that I'd be doing. And now I can't imagine my life not doing. Yeah, I, I love that. I remember when we had conversations about this and then you followed through and you started it and you've been growing it. And you know, you post when you're out there doing your pop-up events and handing out food and healthy food to people who need it out there in the south suburbs of Chicago. I'm glad you're doing it. You're absolutely making a difference and Thank happy you. to support it in not only with the donations I've given, but Meals in the Meantime will also be the official nonprofit cause of the Talent Development Think Tank Conference that we have coming up on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. So we're looking forward to having you there and having Meals in the Meantime represented at the conference. And if anybody listening wants to donate to the cause, they can go to mealsinthemeantime.org, mealsinthemeantime.org. You and I are recording this on Giving Tuesday. It'll come out later than that. Yes. We're still talking about holiday season, billions of dollars being spent on things. If you have plenty of food on the table, maybe consider giving a little bit extra, some money to help people who don't have nearly as much. Kevin, I mentioned Meals in the Meantime being official nonprofit of the Talent Development Think Tank Conference. You are going to be speaking at the Think Tank Conference coming up in February, debuting your new game. Can you tell us about yes. a little bit of a preview? Absolutely, absolutely, Andy. I don't want to give too much away because we definitely want people to come and see it and experience it for themselves. And I'm excited to return. Definitely excited about that. Yeah, man, I decided to kind of elevate the learning experience, right? Because you and I both know, you know, you go to conferences and workshops and all that. And you know, more often than not, you have the speaking head and you have people doing a little bit of group exercise, hopefully. Hopefully you have some people being engaged and doing some work. Well, I thought, what if I were to create something similar to board games like Clue, you know, or something like, I don't know, Jeopardy or Monopoly or something like that, like a board, a good old fashioned board game. You remember those, Andy? Good old fashioned board Heck games? Heck yeah, still play it with my kids sometimes. Yeah, there you go. There you go, man. And, and so... I, th I had the idea, wouldn't it be awesome if the audience and the participants could join me in solving a measurement mystery, right? So this concept, this idea, this game that I am calling L&D Detective Measurement Mysteries allows the audience to solve a measurement mystery, allows the audience to use facts, evidence, and data to determine the extent to which training and learning did what it was intended to do, right? And we're using facts, evidence, and data to answer that question. So we aren't using, you know, our feelings or what we hope or what we believe. We're actually collecting facts, clues, and evidence, man, that shows the extent to which training and learning is effective and is influencing performance and ultimately helping people uh, impact business goals with their performance. So I believe that this is going to be a very different kind of experience for people who, who play the game at the Talent Development Think Tank Conference, February 22nd and 23rd in, in California. I'm excited about being there. Can't wait to get there. And really excited to see how this game works. I'm a little nervous too, Andy, because I'll be debuting this game That's right. at the Talent Development Think Tank Conference 2023. So hopefully there won't be too many kinks or too many bugs that need to be worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because again, this, this is going to be the first time. So if anybody comes they should be excited too, man, because they'll be the first to play the game. But what's most important, it, it's it's meant to be fun. But what it is really meant to do is to support training, learning, and talent development professionals with a methodology by which we can measure results for training and learning. So it's fun, but it's intentional and it's purposeful. Oh, absolutely. And you know, most of our colleagues in learning and development come with a growth mindset and love helping people improve a process. So I, you know, I'm sure you'll be open. Oh, to yeah, we got opinions, people. man. Yeah, as training, learning, and talent development professionals, we always got opinions. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I'm sure you get some feedback from some people. You'll be able to tweak it and improve it. But I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, I, it's going to be such a great experience and uh, to see you in action again. Now, you've been to the Think Tank conference in the past. You spoke in our first one back in 2020. For people that are thinking about buying a ticket for this next one, they're on the fence. They're, they're not really sure. Uh, what would you tell them? Why do people need to attend this conference? I think it's unique, right? The Talent Development Think Tank Conference, I believe, is unique in, in its experience, um, you know, particularly for training, learning, and talent development experts and professionals. What I really appreciate, Andy, as I reflect on my experience from the last conference, is how you really encourage experience 
versus lecture, right? Mm -hmm. How you really encourage bringing people together for the purpose of actionable learning, right? That means something. So if you come to the Talent Development Think Tank Conference uh, 2023, you aren't coming there just to sit down and watch. This is not a show and tell program at all. This is a program where you're going to have an opportunity to engage. This is going to be an opportunity for you to interact with training, learning, and talent development professionals all over the world. And then you're going to get a chance to play my new game, L&D Detective Measurement Mysteries. So there's your motivation to join and attend. <laughs> oh, there it is right there. So make sure you get your tickets to come see Kevin's new game, as well as all the other great sessions we have planned for the Talent Development Think Tank Conference. The website is tdtt.us slash conference. Kevin, thank you again for coming on the show, for sharing your thoughts on demystifying measurement in L&D, as well as some of your experience with your travels and what's going on with the current environment, as well as for the great work you're doing with your nonprofit meals. In the meantime, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. I appreciate our friendship and I look forward to talking with you more soon. Andy, I'm, I'm just glad that we had a chance to talk again. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to share some ideas with training, learning and talent development community. And I'm super, super excited to see you and all the attendees at the uh, Think Tank Development Conference uh, in February next year. Woohoo! All right, see you then. That will do it for my conversation with Kevin M. Yates about solving L&D measurement mysteries. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and got some value from that, whether it be about measuring impact in L&D, whether it be about the nonprofit that Kevin is running or some of the travel that he's done. And if you have the dates free and you can make it to the Talent Development Think Tank Conference in February, I highly recommend you come. We are going to make it the best and least boring conference out there in the L&D space. And Kevin's going to be there. So you know it's going to be great debuting his new game about measuring impact in L&D. The website for tickets and all the information is tdtt.us slash conference. And when you buy your ticket, you can use the code HOTSEAT to take 10% off of the price. Same as with our membership community we run. Just use the code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, to take 10% off for being a podcast listener. All right, thank you again for listening. I hope to see you at the conference or in our community or both. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.